You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. In today's episode, we discuss the new re-record from Taylor Swift, Speak Now Taylor's version, and the new Broadway musical, Once Upon a One More Time, featuring the music of Britney Spears. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the theater and pop music podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. And we're bringing you our casual conversation on all things theater and pop music. And just as a reminder, our theater section may sometimes feature spoilers. So as always, you have been warned. And we're warning you now, but we are going right to pop first. So we're going to start in the land of pop music. We'll get to Broadway a little bit later. And Jeff, tell us what we're kicking off with in our pop music section today. Oh, yes. So today we're discussing the new re-record from Taylor Swift, which is Speak Now. This is Taylor Swift's third re-record that she's done now. So she's done Fearless, she's done Red, and now she's doing Speak Now. And I kind of wanted to just jump right in here with you, but and kind of discuss what our overall impressions were of this album, and also kind of discuss her growth in the industry and see how that may have worked in favor of this album or not. So after listening, what were your initial thoughts of speak now Taylor's version? I'm kind of more of a like 1989 and onward type of a fan. So anything that I don't know why that album seems so pivotal to me for her career because her sound really changed at that time. So mm-hmm. anything that comes before 1989 to me is a little like, okay. And only because I'm just not a country music fan mm-hmm. and it's really twangy still. It's heavy guitar. It's a lot, a lot of the songs sound the same. So like whether I'm going to give my opinion on speak now or speak now Taylor's version, like I don't really know. Sure. Yeah. I understand. I don't need to be ex- told why she's re-recording it. I understand that. I get right. it. I we just discussed that just, already. <laughs> right. That's why I'm just like, okay, yeah, sounds good if you like the original. And so, well, this was like thoughts, a very you know? big album for her when it came out because this was the first album that she wrote completely by herself. Hmm. So it's a monumental album there um, in her life. So the fact that she's putting this one out now is such a big moment. I will say something, though, listening to the album. She did keep a lot of her country influence in the album, which is great. Um, Also, though, I feel like her growth in the industry, something very different with Speak Now compared to when she did Fearless. There's something missing a little bit from the Speak Now re-record. Oh, okay. And are you shocked that I'm saying that? Kind of a little. I'm curious to know what exactly you think is missing. So... If you listen to the original Speak Now, you had this younger, youthful sound to her voice. Mm. Her vocals were so raw at that time. And the pain that she was really feeling in those lyrics, you believed it. And she gave it to you. And I think now, you know, this is, oh gosh, how many years later? Over over 10, probably mm. 15 years now, mm. uh, or close to that, that she's moved on past these songs. And yes, we know that a catalog lives on and it's great, but she's 33, right? She's 33. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the same feelings you felt when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, 
I don't think you feel those anymore. And that pain seemed to be missing from the re-record of this. And she has said it before, like, I don't feel a lot of these things anymore. So it's such a great album, but it just seemed like that was lacking in terms of production or vocal expression. It just was missing for the in like the delivery for me. So I'm she like, probably I'm, had she probably had to know that that was going to happen no matter what. Like was was it better for her to do this at 33 or 43 or 53? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I guess better right, to do it now I, when she had to. I guess though in Fearless, maybe because it was the first one, you know, we had a little bit of that feeling, but the songs were also different. They weren't as personal c- compared to the Speak Now album. Mm. But also mm. Red Red was her segue of like, I'm kind of starting to leave country and then go into pop. So, and she expanded on things that people really wanted her to expand on, especially like the all too well 10 minute version, those things, which were great. But there was just something from this. And I think the cry around the, the world with this Speak Now TV is that they a lot of people are feeling the same way. Mm. Okay. So, and I also people, don't and know. People, and people are kind of doing something where they're picking their favorite songs from speak now original version that they still want to listen to because they don't think the, the re-record lives up to the original. And then the new TV versions that they do like, they're putting them like in a new order and how they're going to start. And then I guess that defeats now. the purpose of like, you're trying to be supporting the Taylor's version from a financial mm-hmm. standpoint and a business standpoint. And so there's this like, well, if you're a true diehard fan and if you truly know what she's going through, then you're only going to listen to the Taylor's versions, right? Like I'm, tr- I'm just asking because I'm just trying to make sure I understand it that way. Well, I think she's still proving the point though, about owning her own work. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, this is the version that she owns completely. Yeah. That's what's important there to the fans. Yeah. Um, she did do vault tracks on this album as well. Yeah. And she, two of the songs, one features Fall Out Boy and another features Haley Williams from Paramore, which was supposed to be the song that everyone was like flocking to and loving. And also Haley Williams and Paramore are joining her on the European leg of the Eras tour. So everyone's super excited about that. But there is a new song from The Vault called I Can See You. And the music video also came out. She premiered that at the first night in Kansas City and everyone loved it. It's this cool, fun, like, um, cryptic music video in a way where Taylor Swift is like locked away in a vault with all of Speak Now surrounding her. And, you know, her past is coming to break her out of it. Um, and the music video features Joey King and Presley Cash, who were both in the music video for Mean, which is a Speak Now uh, album song. And also Taylor Lautner, who she used to date at one point, but they no longer did. But I don't know if she ever really had a song about him, but they are good friends in this time. So I loved the music video, but this song is like blowing up. I love the song and I love the music video. And I also feel like the song doesn't really quite match the album. It doesn't match it, it at all. Which is the topic so, that I wanted to bring up. And this is where I'm starting to feel a little like, uh, what's happening here? Like, can Taylor Swift open the phone book, if anyone even remembers what that is, and just read it? And people like are like, great. Like, she in some ways has this like amazing artistic what an awesome like artistic concept for a video and a song. And like, this should have just been on its own. 
I don't understand the like, well, let me put things on the vault and attach it to the other album. It just, to me, I'm finding that things are getting a little messy with that end of it. Yeah. It just seems out of place to me. And I'm like, you're doing so much right now. And everyone's like, oh, she's probably already writing our new album while she's on the road. And I'm like, but we don't need to be doing that. Like, can you just enjoy your tour and then do your re-records? You have a few more albums to go. And then like, I don't know, like, it just seems like there's so much going on. Listen, some people love working that way. I I like being a mile a minute. You know, some people love having multiple burners going on the stove, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I just, yeah, the song doesn't make sense on the album. It's just out of place to me. Well, Taylor is going a mile a minute, and it's uh, we can definitely feel that. And I think with the "I Can See You" music video is she's taking some of her past from Fearless because you can hear it in here. She basically samples "You Belong with Me" in this song, and then she creates this music video. But it's taking back what's hers with "Speak Now." But there were so many Easter eggs in this music video already, foreshadowing 1989 re-record. There's multiple signs in there. Even the way that this music video was shot, you were like, oh, she's totally telling us 1989 TV is next and you're going to get it. You know? So is that the one that you're going to be most excited for? Well, yeah, because I I actually still to this day think that (laughs) 1989 is, well, it's my favorite album of hers. And I think it's one of her best, but it's my favorite. So I love that album. Well, it's my favorite too. So. So. Yeah. Well, in that music video, I'll show you them again. I'm going to be like, I'll point it out to you. But there's a moment on the bridge where you see like 1989 TV is coming. Even the close up shots of like her lipstick or this or that. Mm. It's like there. But some people are also like, this is giving you very like um, reputation as well. And it's a good song. I just wish it wasn't kind of mixed into this. And so I, yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, Guess what, though? The fans did stream Speak Now TV. It had the highest streaming count of all time on the first day, according to Spotify. So, once again, Taylor Swift breaking all the records. And there we go. There. And she's still on her tour for a long time now. She's going to be going for a while. And she's- yeah, because she had just added 14 more dates to the European like, So, she's going to yeah. be touring all the way through yeah. probably 2025. Yeah. The Eras Tour. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so we're now going to move along into Broadway land at this time with a pop flair still, though, because we had the chance to see the new Broadway musical Once Upon a One More Time, which features the music of Britney Spears. So, Richie, tell us more about this show. Well, as you know, Grey House was the first show we saw of this Tony season. We're now on to the next new show of this new Tony season. Once Upon a One More Time, a new musical based on the music performed and recorded by Bernie Spears. It's at the Marquee Theater in New York City, a book by John Hartmere. And the creative consultant on this was David Laveau and director and choreographer team of Keon and Mari Madrid. Um yeah, we had a great time at this. Mm-hmm. Like, we really had a lot of fun. We go there, we get wristbands. I, I always think the Marquee Theater is like being at a not Broadway theater because you're in a hotel, so you're going upstairs, and you're kind mm-hmm. of in like a Las Vegasy kind of a vibe. So whenever there's like a non-traditional Broadway musical there, I'm always like, oh, this is kind of cool, right? And we go, we had great seats. We are up in the front, and we dove head first into this and didn't really know much about it. We were kind of going in blind. We just knew that this was the Britney music. Um, 
we did go bl- in blind, and I did want to touch on that too. That the, the marquee theater, you always kind of wonder about what show should be in that theater, and I do think that once upon a one more time, like you're saying, is, is that show? show. Yeah, yeah, it gives you that theater is like basically a Las Vegas style theater. You're yeah, right? or like I mean, you're at some like big casino, like at Foxwoods, kind of with the theaters there, in Atlantic mm-hmm. City, kind of, and it's a, like you escaped New York for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I'll say about this: I really did enjoy myself, and I had a really good time. And at the end of the day, like, why be mad about that, right? Mm-hmm. However, there was a couple things I didn't think were perfect. I did will I will highlight by saying the lighting is incredible, the choreography is incredible, like. Like top, top notch choreo. Mm-hmm. The costumes loved. There was some incredible, incredible acting performances. And I was like blown away by that. And yeah. what I, th- and, 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 and to talk about acting, we can talk about standouts. Well, I want your initial thoughts too. Those are my initial thoughts. I have some things I, and we'll dive into this more, but I will say the book to me still, I'm still struggling with the concept and the book and where we went with the script. We'll talk about that later. But tell me your initial reaction. My initial reaction is I loved this way more than I ever thought it was going to love this show. I think that they really took something around Britney's music and in the style of Mamma Mia came up with some really cool ideas on feminism in the world, taking pop stars and kind of creating this in like the fairy tale um what would you call it like a facade or some way well but it's supposed to mimic real world you know and i look at this and i say to myself as a britney fan and a britney stan i know so much about this pop star's life that there's such a homage to her in the way that this book was written And I kind of wonder if this show has this, if you're a Britney fan, you're going to get it and you're going to love it. And if you're a traditional theater goer, this might not be the perfect show for you. You You might be like, wow, that was really fun, but I don't get it. Well, I wonder if there's this new uncharted waters that we've hit. Because we've seen jukebox musicals in two ways. There's the tell the story of this person, or there's the Mamma Mia example of use the music with a completely different story. If you're if I'm when I'm following you correctly, if if what you're saying is what I'm thinking, is it that we've kind of blended that and we're doing some Britney-esque storytelling, but not with Britney, and yet we're using the music to tell the story. In a way, and if that's the new, right, not A or not B, but it's like between A and B, then sure, and I think that's awesome, but I don't think it's fully fledged out yet. And I think that there's ironing that still needs to be done because I shouldn't go to a show and say, oh, well, if you're a Britney Spears fan, you're going to love it. And if you don't really follow her that much, but you just kind of like her music, you're not going to get it. I don't think that's fair to the theater goer to say you're going to get it and you're not. You know, I don't know. But I think it's the way that you would say to yourself, okay, how am I taking in this show? So you might not agree with me on this, but I think that I left this musical thinking more about the plot of this show than any other musical recently. Oh, interesting. Because okay. there was so much that was maybe intended or not intended for the viewer to see and think about after. 
you know, because well, then- we're using traditional fairy tale characters that we all know and creating a story about something, the way that these stories were told to us and how do these stories change? Or in the pop star sense of this, what is the story that is presented to us versus like, oh, what does that person really want to be doing in their life? Mm. You know, because when we, we think about this a little bit more, we're talking about manufactured pop stars here. Britney Spears is a manufactured pop star. From start to finish, they she was told, this is what you have to do. But if you go into some of her lyrics, she's been crying for help her whole life. Like, I need to get out of this. I need to, you know, and then being put in the conservatorship and all of these things. And when you go and dive deeper into this story here around these fairy tale characters, you're like, oh, we don't really know anything about these fairy tale characters other than what we've been told. And some of them are super dark or they've been changed over time to be, um, you know, happier or lighter. And that's where I'm connecting the dots of fairy tale world to Britney world. You know? And I see that and I get that and I understand that. I also feel like there's something to be said about strategically placing the songs in the right places worked. Totally mm-hmm. got that. The lyrics lined up nice. I actually think Anne Julia does that really well too. Not to compare the shows, but it's a similar idea. Um, but there's something to be said about let me well, let me say the following. I don't understand why we just revert back to Cinderella at the end of the day. You have these six or seven or eight females up there all playing these different fairy tale characters, and I'm thinking we're gonna get a little bit of everything. And it always, and this is not just for this show, but I don't understand this infatuation with Cinderella. Well, I don't understand the, the pop world, the Broadway world, the world, the Disney world. There is this infatuation with that specific character. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I definitely want you to chime in on this, but about halfway through to two-thirds of the way through when I was like, oh, wow, we really are just going to be beaten over the head with the Cinderella story And there was a part of me that was like, oh, there's Snow White. There's the princess and the pea. There's there's all these people. Give them moments. Give them songs. Let's hear their stories more. Intertwine them all. And it, of course, came about Prince Charming and Cinderella, which they were great actors. Like Justin Guarini was like awesome to see up there. But I was just like, why do we always go back to that? Right? Right. But the biggest thing here is that she literally has a song called cinderella i know i know but like it's just like disney roger hammerstein amazon prime just putting andrew lloyd weber do you want me to keep going like everybody has their version of I know, cinderella but and it should have just been called <laughs> cinderella but she does <laughs> at this point. They, the but, show we saw could have been called Cinderella. I know, but that's right? where, like, but that's where you don't connect the dots of being a fan and knowing her music catalog. I'm not a where... big enough fan, I guess, of her. I don't know. I'm just looking at this and I'm like, I love the Britney music. I understand roughly her life story, well, and I, think, I get I, that she has a song about this. But I know, but I think my biggest question here to John Hartmere is: Did you hear this song, or when you were brought into the project, did you hear this song? Or was this already selected and did you guys create a story around her Cinderella's track? Mm. Because there Mm. had to be inspiration somewhere to even come up with this musical. It wasn't like they probably just woke up and said, oh, let's do a fairy tale musical. No, it was probably someone looking at, oh, I'm a Britney fan 
And I know her music. Oh, wait. And she has this song about Cinderella. Cinderella is a relatable character that we all know and have fallen in love with for the longest time. So let's let's not tell the Britney musical in a biopic style. Let's do this as Mamma Mia style. Yeah. And it was fun. And I had a good time. And I'm not saying it was, you know, I did the jokes that landed in the book were nice. It was nice overall. I just thought there were moments with the Cinderella stuff where all the other characters fell to the wayside with that. And I understand this is a very strong feminist piece. And I love that. And I love the message. I will give two shout outs, though, to two performances that were really, really stand out for me. Are we going to have the same? Well, I did already. Are we going to have the same? Well, (laughs) I will first say the OFG, Brooke Dillman, was so funny. I loved just how that character came in and out. I love what she was doing with the child at the end and reading the book. And I loved that. And Oh, I just loved that. And I loved the OFG and how she just appeared and that comedy. And that was just great. So I really, Mm. really enjoyed that. That was my theatery stuff that I was – that random character that comes in a couple times, right? But – to say this woman's name three times, the next person, Jennifer Samard, Jennifer Samard, Jennifer Samard. The woman Jennifer can, Samard, I said it the fourth time. <laughs> the woman can do no wrong in my book. I've seen her now in three or four things. Every single time I see her, she's playing a drastically different role. She is killing it. So it's very yes. clear that she's taking a script and she knows exactly how to make a character. She but I I will begging say something, for more scenes with her. I, I will her say something. This. She keeps it true to who she is, though, as a performer. And she always knows how to bring her Jennifer Samard signature to a character yep. that we all know and fall in love with. So as much as she's being a drastic character, she still knows how to bring her signature self to the role. She is bringing this show together. If you want me to be honest, she is a really strong glue that I don't know what I, I – and this is just my Broadway theater side coming out here. There is a part of me that do, I don't know what I what this show would have been if she wasn't in it. And, and she's a small role. She's the evil stepmother and she don't, only has a few scenes. But her song, let's talk about that. She sings in the second act, which is – I'm so sorry, Toxic. Which we love that song. (laughs) She's, I'm like, oh my God, she's getting a whole second act number. Like, okay, now the Tony nomination can come because they gave her a song and I'm waiting for the song and I see it. And this crazy, crazy note comes out at the end. And I'm like, this is, people stood. I don't know if you saw that. I looked around and people stood up and gave her a mid-show ovation because the woman knows exactly what she's doing. She was out of control incredible for me in this but that is how you are a supporting character and you have your moments so if you are a supporting character and you can find that moment and you can go there and you can slay it you will (laughs) do fine yep you know and uh my i have a second person because i have to give aisha jackson uh standing oh there too playing snow white because the chops on her the vocals are, are incredible from her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. And I wanted mm-hmm. more Snow White. I wanted more. That's what bothered me so much. It's like they I just wanted more from the others. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, I, I just I, I just I get certain parts. I actually, if there was any critique I was going to give this show, I thought there could have been bigger direction moments. Mm. Um I thought the choreography was so solid. I loved so much of the ode to Britney, even doing some of the original oops, I did it again choreography in there was great. I loved the vocals. I loved almost all of the casting choices, the set, yeah. the costumes, all of that. We've said it all. The lighting, the whole experience, even the lighting 
up bracelets at the end and turning the whole show into a dance party. It was super fun. You know, I think that people will be pleasantly surprised at this show. If they go and see it. I know some people are not going to love it. I think the older generation and probably some of the younger generation who have not really grown up with Britney or really have fallen in love with Britney are not really going to like the show. And I'm just going to be quite frank on that. Like, I don't think they're going to get it and they're Mm -hmm. not going to try to get it. They're just going to think that this is a bad jukebox thing or a Las Vegas show, like Patti LuPone says. So, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's what? definitely theater. It, there has to be theater for everyone and experiences. I, I didn't hate it. I just wasn't obsessed with it. But I, I love. But I had a good time. I did really have a good time the whole uh, night. Do you want to know a little fun fact yeah. that I found out while researching for the show? Yeah. John Hartnier, the book writer, and Adam Godley, who plays the narrator, yes. are married. Yes, I knew that. They're husbands. Mm-hmm. Kind of so cool. That so was cool, right? Putting the show together like that's probably fun for them. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Husbands working together. I there love it. Who yes. would think? Husbands oh. working together? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So we're getting ready to uh, wrap up here with a few. We have some few pop news announcements coming yeah, out. Yeah, some pop here, news right? announcements. Uh, Barbie movie is coming out soon, and we're slowly getting some of the soundtrack songs, but two of the artists were unannounced for a while that are on this soundtrack. And Billie Eilish had just announced that she has created a song for the Barbie movie. So that is one of them. And we have one more that we are waiting on. So can't wait to hear that Billie Eilish song. We know you are super excited for that. Oh, we'll keep moving forward with our news <laughs> topics. Can't wait and to hear that. Whoa. Wait, let me, let, should I do my Billie Eilish impression or should I save it? Because uh, I can do a whisper into the microphone and make a song. Mm, you should. You could go into <laughs> ASMR. Mm. I do. You all know. I've talked about Billy plenty of times that there's a lot of whispering into the microphone. But hey, that's her thing. It's fine. You I actually the, will be looking you forward didn't to the song. Great. You didn't go to the concert, so anyway. I didn't go to the concert. <laughs> also, Carly Rae Jepsen announced that she is releasing B-Sides to the Loneliest Time, Yay. which the Jepsies all know that this is basically a thing that Carly does now, um, and usually the B-Sides are better than the actual album, so can't wait to hear that. Well, we love Carly. We're going in, in August to see her for a third time, and I, I'll just always keep going back to her. I love her concerts. I have some oh, of the best time. It's going to be so much fun. Um, and so, we, and we also want to let everyone know that we had a chance to interview Grammy-winning producer, composer, and music director Dominic Falacaro. Dominic's most re- uh, recent work can be seen in Broadway Musical and Juliet as the music director and co-arranger. And we did an interview with him. We had the best time, and that interview comes out on Wednesday, July twelfth. So make sure you check back in a couple of days and listen to that interview. That's coming up in a couple of days for you. Yes, that was a super fun one. So we can't wait to see what you all think. Yes. But now it's time for the pop music drop. Yay, pop and flop um, time. Yeah, so I picked six tracks this week, which it was kind of hard this week because I think people were scared of Taylor Swift and didn't release anything. Oh, okay, but okay, okay. I did some diving and I found my top six. All right. So coming in at number six, we have from the Barbie soundtrack, 50-50 with the song Barbie Dreams featuring uh, the- Kali. Bop, love it. Is there a sample in this? Uh, yes. If not, it sounds very similar to some like '90s song. 
there is, the a sam- there is a sample in it and I'm drawing a blank now. I should have wrote I, it down. I should have wrote it down. But yes, I loved this. And it's just getting me so excited for that movie. Like, I yes. don't know if I'm like excited for the movie or not, but like the music's making me excited. So yeah. And it's I great. think this is uh, the credits. The song. It's the last song on the album. So I'm thinking it's the credits. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Uh, then at number five, Anne-Marie Trainwreck. This was nice. I'm, I'm a little on the fence about it still. I, I think it's boppy. Um, yeah. I have to listen to a few more times. I kind of liked it. There were some nice you. moments. It's boppy. Yeah. Um, then we have UK girl group, a flow control freak. Loved this. This was bop for me. This was really bop. For me. We, I did really like it. I really hope flow kind of breaks into the American scene because they are very underrated right now. Mm, yeah. Uh, then we have Bentley Robles. Hope you cry. Love it. Bop. I did like Pop, this. right? Yeah, yeah. I did really enjoy this song. People yeah, should check Bentley sure. out. He has a lot of great, great tracks there. Um, yeah, then for we sure. have uh, Gia Woods, Gia Wood. I don't know about this. <laughs> I have to listen, give it a few more listens. The first 30 seconds, I was like, what's happening? Uh, it was, it was whatever. It was you fun. Know, it was fun. I, I listened to it a few more times. Okay. I do like the name and then the title and the play on words there with that. That was cool. And last but not least, coming in at number one, Taylor Swift, I Can See You. Bop should have been released as a single. Well, it is. (laughs) I mean, on its own, on its own day and time, in its own world. Okay. Well, that's the pop music drop for you. And we um, we enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, even with our theater news, I feel like we had so much pop to talk about with the Britney stuff, too. So it was a very pop. No, this is a very pop episode. So. Oh my gosh. Wow. We are just about out of time here. Ah, um, what a day. This was wonderful. We have, like I said earlier, an interview coming out. We got more Broadway coming up, got some shows, mm-hmm. new shows coming up to see and some new music and some concerts, some summer yes. concerts coming up to talk about too, which is exciting. Going to be so much fun. Um, give me. So we hope you enjoyed our conversation today. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and review. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Because I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.